Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. I mean, no one plans to get sick, and yet, here we are. My name is Matthew Zachary. I survived cancer, a stroke, and COVID-19, and somehow, I'm still here. I also survived our stupid, broken healthcare system, and I want to help you survive it too. So let's go make healthcare suck less together, because you know what? We're all out of patience. Hey, that's the name of the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Out of Patience. A quick reminder, as always, if you like the show, I hope you do. How about a review, a like, a rating, a shamalama, ding dong, anything except TikTok. I cannot deal with that. On the show today, Amy West is the head of U.S. Digital Transformation and Innovation at Novo Nordisk. They're a drug company that specializes in diabetes medications and devices. Really important stuff. We debate the word innovation across the lens of being Gen Xers. We talk about outrage culture in terms of what type one and type two and being fat and not being fat. I'm fat. I don't want to be fat. Can we all just try to not be fat? Because who wants type two diabetes? Is this even appropriate to talk about? Another awesome thing about Amy is that she's one of medical marketing and media's top 40 healthcare transformers. And I got to tell you, she's funny. She's charismatic. She gets it. And we had a great conversation. Stay tuned, true believers. Enjoy the show. Amy West, thank you so much for coming here on Out of Patience. And you're not here, but virtually here. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really happy to be virtually here. And you were supposed to be here, here, but you yes. know, shit happens, right? It does. And um, with the opening of the offices again and some travel considerations and COVID still being a question mark, I had to change some plans today. So I appreciate you accommodating a virtual engagement. Wait, COVID still a question mark? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still got the mask thing going. <laughs> and, but we're at the end of it, I hope. Are your offices like ripe with cobwebs? You know what? Um, I actually went into the office for the first time after we had like a, a soft reopening in the middle of September and it looks really good. I mean, you know, Nova Nordisk, they've really done an amazing job while we've been out to get us ready to come back and keep everybody safe and comfortable. So they've done a really great job and the cobwebs were gone. They were, there were no cobwebs. Did you have the Wally world? You must be this vaccinated to enter the building sign. No, haven't seen those, but there are a lot of, you know, wear the mask signs and things like that. You know, we just uh, still there's a lot of unknown. So we're going to try to stick to the protocols as much as we can. I remember when all the smoking cessation finally hit restaurants and they made like the smokers yeah. section of the restaurant. And like <laughs> I grew up on Staten Island, so all the diners made like this glass enclosed bank vault of smoker sections. And like you could see in there like, hey, look, it's the lung cancer area. Will there be a vaccine-only section of, of offices now? Because, like, you can't... No. Here's the no, pee no. end of the yeah. pool. Only pee on this end of the pool. Yeah, yeah no, I, I mean, I just don't think... 
Uh, I, I mean, that's just not going to be possible. And I know, I mean, based on what Biden has said, any employer over 100 employees, I guess you have to be vaccinated. So there, there is a level of federal regulation out there now, too. So I don't know how all that's going to play out. Then there's the question of, well, why is it just for companies with 100 people and more? What about the smaller companies? I think at the end of the day, we, we just have to be nice to each other and, right. and be considerate. And if people are requesting that you wear a mask, just wear a mask and just try to be as kind as possible, because I feel like we've lost a bit of that with the frustration that everybody has been feeling and the constraints. And I get it. We all get it. We've all been living through it, but we just have to be nice to each other because that's the only way we're really going to be able to make it through all this. Yeah. I mean, George Carlin did this great bit. I've mentioned this on the show a million times where he deconstructed the Ten Commandments into like modern day parlance and he got them down to two rules. There's only two, which is like, don't be Be a dick and don't kill people. (laughs) Right. Exactly. The golden rule. Be nice. Golden rule. Try to be nice. Try not to kill people. I think those are fairly decent ethics, baselines, tenants to be a human being. Exactly. Exactly. So I want to talk about Nova Nordisk. I think they've been flying under the radar. It's like the Ikea of pharmas and no one knows about yeah. them. But you do some great stuff and you worked in diabetes, something I've tangentially been associated with through friends of mine that have been raising type one kids. But you, you're a lifer. You've been doing this a long time. It's, it's very unusual to get somebody that's been digging in for so long. My first question, how do you stay uncynical? It always has to come down to why you're there in the first place, which is about helping people with really awful problems, really difficult health challenges. And, you know, if you think about it from that perspective, you you just can't get cynical. You, you, there's always a way that we need to be making it easier, better for them to live their lives every day without having to constantly be thinking about a health condition or health issues. And so if you keep it in the context of Again, the human being, being nice to people, that's what keeps me from being cynical. So innovation has been this meme. (laughs) I come from the patient advocate side. I ran a nonprofit for a couple of years that I started called Stupid Cancer. And I'm a 25-year cancer survivor. So I wear a lot of weird hats. I also worked in like agency life. So that ruined everything. And then I popped back. What does even innovation mean? I feel it's just become like jargony syllables. And to you, like, what does that really mean? It's 2021. What does it mean? Right. So to me, there are these academic definitions around it, but to me, it really comes down to solving an unmet need, solving a problem that's out there that has not had an adequate solution that is really causing grief or problems for a person or yourself or whomever, and coming up with a way to address that that is going to be satisfactory and give you the result that you're looking for. Would you say the shower radio is innovative? Well, innovation too can be individualized, you know, based on who you are as a person, what your preferences are, where you live, how you like to bathe, you know? So, (laughs) I mean, there are some people that prefer a bath, you know, so they don't need the shower radio. It all depends on the individuals. It's not a one size fits all. Right. Not by I, a long shot. I brought up the shower ready because I was like maybe eight and we had a Walkman. Remember Walkmans, right? Oh, yeah. And yes. then like they oh, made yes. them waterproof and we threw them in the shower and then it still got wet. So they made a shower proof Walkman. They're like, Which oh, never, it's a shower radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had the shower ready. I did not. You couldn't hear anything. Right. right. Or the clapper. Like <laughs> the clapper was like Alexa way before Alexa. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the basis for a lot of jokes and things like that. Or even the help me, I've fallen and I can't get up thing. Right. But that's really the foundation to a lot of 
really great health tech innovation. And it works and it's effective and we're just continuing to build on it. Right. I mean, in many cases, past literally is prologue because, you know, we are now yeah. wholly dependent on these devices that we take for granted today. Like how innovative really was it to have grandma lying on the floor with a button and then people came and now they have smartphones with like the giant buttons on them for seniors to call people. Or you have a smart home, the floor or the laser has seen that you have fallen or has not detected any motion in a certain period of time. My mom lives in a retirement community and in her apartment, they have those so that if they don't see motion within a specified period of time, they send someone to your house. Wow. It's, it's interesting too, because again, like that might not be something you and I want, right? but I'll tell you, it gives me a lot of peace of mind. If that's what innovation genuinely means today, I'm all for it. But I really want to learn from you about the diabetes world because I did a lot of work in type one for young adults. When Supercancel mm -hmm. launched, we had a lot of survivors that happened to be type one that got diagnosed. And it was a whole other universe that there was just no attention to that. And oncologists didn't have a standard of care on what to do if you're type one diabetic and what your diet mm -hmm. should be with chemotherapy and all that. But to the extent that you've worked in this specific sector for a very long time, as I've noticed from your extraordinarily lengthy but very, very impressive LinkedIn profile, what are innovations in diabetes? And that's kind of a part A, but part B is when French fries are still less expensive than carrots. It's an open conversation. Yeah, it's an interesting topic. Um, I think we've seen tremendous innovation in the diabetes space, particularly in type 1, because when you think of the universe of people with diabetes, only a small percentage have type 1. And type 1 and type 2 are, are different disease states in some ways, although the medication and the protocols are similar. But with type 1, because it is life and death and, and oftentimes diagnosed in a child, and you've got to get the parent involved, I know the parents would get very, very frustrated with just the lack of information, control, ability to kind of manage this and there was just a lot of dissatisfaction with how it was being managed. And that's where we really saw impressive movement in digital by parents who were kind of jury rigging these different devices to get the continuous glucose monitors with some apps that they had. And that's how like a company like Bigfoot came to be. A number of the the companies that started in the digital health space in diabetes started out from the frustration of parents not able to really manage optimally their, their child's health and wellness. And so it's solving for an unmet need and frustration that there isn't enough you know, funding going toward this research to figure this stuff out. And so we've really seen a huge movement in that space. And a lot of the innovation that we're seeing spill over into type 2 diabetes and obesity and other chronic diseases, a lot of it did come from what we saw in the type 1 innovation space. It's got to start with a problem to solve. And it's got to start with the end user's problem to solve, not a business problem to solve, but the end user. So I think that's where you know, really some of the greatest innovation comes from. And then, you know, to your other point about the cost of healthy nutrition or healthy engagement versus the easy stuff, I, I think it's, you can kind of take the type 1 diabetes aspect out of it. It's really more type 2, where lifestyle plays a huge role in the onset and the progression of the disease state beyond just 
pharmacotherapy and, and those types of interventions, nutrition, activity, mental health, mood, you know, stressors, those things play a big role in the onset and exacerbation of the disease state. So if it's easier and cheaper for you to get something that's unhealthy, that's a real challenge. And that kind of goes beyond um, just the healthcare issue becomes a public health issue and um, an economic issue. And those are some of the big challenges I think that we're all faced with. Like, how do we understand how these broader aspects of living, the social determinants of health, how are they playing a role in disease and disease management. And, you know, that's when we start to talk about going beyond the proverbial pill. Understood. And so we have to be thinking about these broader, more holistic factors that are influencing a person's ability to engage in their health and wellness and have a good or a bad outcome. Back with our guest after the break. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back with Amy West, who is the head of U.S. Digital Transformation and Innovation at Novo Nordisk, the IKEA of Pharma. Look them up. Controversial discussions these days in woke culture. I'm 48, but I'm aware that we evolve as a species. 90%, I'm making the stat up, I think it's pretty high, of COVID deaths were obese people. And some of them were obese not by sort of cultural intent, but some of them were obese because apparently it's okay to be fat these days. Fat shaming is bad, of course, but is it a George Carlinish way, like just try to be not fat? Well, I, I think um, we have to start being nice. <laughs> being, you know, let's, <laughs> let's just be em- empathetic to everybody. And that's really where we try to start. Life is different for everybody and life isn't always easy. And how we kind of engage in our day-to-day. There are different stressors or ways that we, our coping mechanisms, what have you. And a lot of them are not always healthy and they're going, they're going to do things that are going to, you know, not benefit us in the long run and, and cause health problems. And so I don't think that there's any value in ever 
shaming anybody for anything that somebody sees as different or outside of how they live their lives because you don't live in somebody else's shoes. I think, though, that it is important in our healthcare system overall that we start to focus more on well care and prevention and place more priority on that, place benefit, place motivation around that. And that can come in a variety of ways. But you know, our model is just so focused on the sick care, acute care, reactive care model. If we can start to change that paradigm and start to really focus on incentivizing or benefiting health and wellness programs and the progress that you see in a healthy direction, I think that that's going to go a long way. And I think that's also going to help with these long-term costs, which is you know, really pulling down you know, our healthcare system and the overall economy today. So I've done a lot of work in patient advocacy and oncology, and the magic word for the last thousand years has been you know, prevention. And I used to joke that the only real prevention is pet ownership. Just don't get a pet and you won't be a pet owner. Meanwhile, I'm getting a dog on Monday as of this recording. So I'm officially a pet owner. I've avoided preventing being a pet owner. But to the extent that if you are already at risk and you're aware of it, you might be more interested in knowing if you're going to die. But for many people, you know, you don't know the sky's falling until it hits you on the head. And I love that expression because some people are scared to know if there's something wrong with them. And some people just don't trust the system in general to even learn what it means to know you might have something bad inside you. How do you feel about that? Education is huge. And we don't have all the answers to, you know, the optimal way to achieve the best health and wellness and and live the longest. We just don't necessarily have all that understanding. But I think that focusing more attention and highlighting the value of it, it goes a long way. And, you know, and on top of it too, when we think about people with obesity, it isn't always just uh, eat less and exercise more. I mean, there are genetic predispositions and there's a genetic factor to all of this that makes it easier for them to store fat and harder for them to lose it than the average person that might not have that predisposition. So it's dependent on the individual and who they are and how they live their lives. But again, I mean, if we can just kind of move more toward that focus on healthy care and wellness care, I think it's going to help everybody. Right. And I I feel like, you know, I'm preaching to my own choir because I've been fighting my weight my entire life. I've been borderline obese and then slightly less. And then I lose a lot of weight. I'm the American roller coaster. And I'm privileged. I'm white. I'm middle class. I have access to everything. I can eat salad all day if I want. And I don't because donuts taste great. And to to the extent that I am conscious as a health consumer, I'm conscious as a cancer survivor that I really want to do my best to not die earlier. I'm already past my expiration point by a quarter century. And even that is very difficult. I mean, I am trying to not be fat as much as possible. We're just living in this society where, yes, let's be kind, let's be nice, let's not be as horrible as kids were to me in camp in the 80s, of course. We don't want that to happen ever again. But that's another podcast, folks. What role does the pharmaceutical industry play? We're kind of still in diabetes. Cancer is a whole other story. What role have you seen in your many, many years working there that has been progress? Uh, well, you know, obviously the pharmacotherapy. I mean, that's the cornerstone of our innovation as a pharmaceutical manufacturer, but then also the surrounding support. So the support offerings that we provide to 
people who are either on our medications or even, you know, we have website offerings, our Cornerstones for Care platform. Anybody who has diabetes or is interested in learning more can go there and get information for free. There's a telehealth coaching program as a part of it. And there's a lot of educational content that has been written with health literacy and adult learning principles as the foundation, because it's got to be understood by the average person. You know, we don't all necessarily have a, a PhD level reading comprehension. We're all coming from different education levels, backgrounds, and even languages. So we make sure that we provide information in a very clear and understood way and also in multiple languages. Uh, we actually have uh, offerings in Spanish as well as coaching support in Spanish. That support we acknowledge and we understand is very complementary to the pharmacotherapy and to what your physician, your treatment team is telling you. Um, because the reality too is that, you know, you can't always get in to see your doctor or you can't always get them on the phone or on the video screen. It can be a scary situation. So you want to have access to information or to someone that can talk to you if you have questions or if you're scared or if you're swirling. And so we do a lot in that support arena to make sure that we can do as much as we possibly can as appropriate by you know, the regulatory guidelines and things like that. All right. So as we start to wrap up, I really want to reference my dear friend, Karen, who's been on the show. She's been a type one mom. She lives in this mommy hacker space. She's on Facebook groups and mm -hmm. she kind of is the one that debunks a lot of crap that shows up. And her son has been going through all these trials. He has this implant now that goes to her phone and she's very vigilant. Mm -hmm. She's an incredibly smart woman. What are the top myths happening in the type one mom space that you seek to debunk and need people like Karen to be your brand champions? Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know if I can really give you any myths, but what I would say is that people like Karen and her child, a, a wealth of information and insight about what it is like to eat, sleep and breathe this very challenging health condition your child is not an adult. They need your help. They're relying on you to get them through this. And so the experience, you know, just, just down to like, you know, some little hack that she might have based on what has worked for her child in a certain situation where maybe he or she was at a friend's house at an overnight and something happened. And, you know, those types of real life scenarios that information, that insight is so important to my area of the world because we're often looking at developing an intervention or a solution based on clinical biomarkers or the clinical data sets or you know all this clinical, clinical, clinical stuff that's so important to what we do. But the reality is that's not a holistic experience. It's one piece of it that's critically important, but to really understand the environment, the experience, the event, and how it has happened, how it was identified, how you reacted to it, how did you feel, how did your child feel, you know, what were the events surrounding that, that's really important insight that we need so that we can continue to support a better experience when you're engaging with our solutions, our offerings, and our information. So, you know, I would say, you know, keep up the good work, keep the community going, 
use that voice to, you know, to tap into the, the pharmaceutical manufacturers, the health systems, the hospital, you know, share that information because it's critically important. They're the ones that are living this. And, and that's how we get better by taking that real world information and using it to support our R&D, whether it's in molecules or commercial or whatever. You don't get more authentic real world evidence than from mommies whose sons and daughters right. have type 1 diabetes, right? That's right. You'll, you'll hear things that aren't necessarily in your specific line of therapeutic area or whatever, but it's very translatable because, again, it's about an experience, whether it's diabetes or obesity or cardiovascular issues or cancer. You know, the experience piece, there's something that's transferable across all, and we need to understand that, uh, to understand the holistic end user experience so that we can use that for our future innovation. Amy West is the head of U.S. Digital Transformation and Innovation at Novo Nordisk. I've never done a show on diabetes before. This has been extraordinarily insightful, and I hope you guys, the listeners, really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking with you, and uh, have a great afternoon. That's all for now. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Tell us what you'd like Matthew to cover in his next episode by leaving a message for us at 855-AUDIO-66, and we might just use it in a future show. Out of Patients is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Betsy Shepard. Our host is Matthew Zachary. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Betsy Shepard. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com.